It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, folks? We are back once again, like we left something. It is the CHGO Sky Podcast right here on the All City Sports Network. I am Chris Pennant at home alongside the man, the myth, the legend. I got to go the other way because it's mirrored. The second coming of Tiny Archibald, our starting point guard. If Odyssey ever agrees to play us in that basketball game that I just made up, that we're going to play them in a, in a fantasy basketball game contest. Anyway, Stephen Garner is here today with us and we'll get our special guest on in just a moment. Steven, what's good with you, man? What's up, my guy? How you feeling? I'm great. Doing okay. All things considered, got my uh, 1980s mustache ready to go. (laughs) Renaissance man, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll call it that. Our special guest today, y'all know him as Skyrider Blog on Twitter. He's covering all things overseas Sky basketball and in the season. Very glad to have him on. Ian Carter Hamilton in the building. Ian, what's going on? Thank you for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to this. It should be great to catch up with you guys. Like I said, on Twitter, I've listened to your guys' show for a long time, so I'm definitely happy to be chopping it up with you guys. Appreciate you coming on with us, man. It's great to have you on. Let's give respect to our producer, Going wild on the dials today, Mr. GR, BR, JR, Greg Braggs Jr. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> cue, wasn't ready I didn't know if that was my cue to jump in. Ready for that cue? <laughs> no, Greg, thanks for coming on with us today. As always, thank you to Sky Town for listening to the show. Catch us CHGO Sky on YouTube at CHGO underscore Sky on Twitter and CHGO underscore Sports for all things All City Sports Network on Twitter, the X. Let's jump right into it, y'all. It's overseas, as as I said in the uh, the header, the warm oven as opposed to the hot stove. Um, and I think it works because a lot of Sky players are cooking right now, legitimately. Um, I, and you've had a lot to say about uh, Dana and Lee Yuri at Besiktas. Uh, Dana Evans and Lee Yuri, what they've been able to do together um, since both of them came over in October, I believe it was. Yep. Uh, I know Marina Mabry and Elizabeth Williams are also in Turkey. Courtney Williams just joined uh, Shaanxi in China. And Mo Birch and Rebecca Gardner are together in Spain. Sika Kone's in in Spain as well. There's a lot going on. Let's start with Dana and Lee. What have you seen uh, those two able, what have you seen them be able to accomplish uh, right now at uh, Besiktas? Yeah, for sure. I think as a duo, it's been interesting to see 
you know, we saw the pick and roll game was so important in what the sky were trying to do in the second half, especially after Emre took over. He wasn't, there's no secret about the importance of that. And obviously Lee wasn't a part of that, but Dana was gaining that experience as a pick and roll player, continuing to mature as kind of a decision maker, because we know she can score the basketball. We know she can pass the basketball, but sometimes it's that decision-making process between which one do I want to do in the given scenario and having a piece in the post like Lee to work with, I think has really exposed new sides of her game that we didn't always get to see because Lee is so gifted in the post as a big, that's what I've really seen from her is that her ability to manipulate angles and create opportunities for herself to score around the basket. You know, she's got that big frame wide shoulders and she's a very strong player. So if you can have a point guard who can then feed you in the post on those opportunities, who can play really good entry passes, which I think Dana, especially the game at the weekend, I was really impressed with the entry passes she provided and like that continued maturation of Dana as a decision maker because she has the skill set. It's just a matter of you can only gain experience by playing the game, right? There's no other way to do it. So continuing to get those reps with other great players around you, not to say the sky's second unit doesn't have great players, but the higher level of players you have, the more options you have, the more types of passes you can throw, things like that. Steven, I know we had a chance to talk about Dana, I mean, most of the season, but I think that one uh, Reddit post that we discussed on the last show that was so out of pocket really feeds into that discussion. Um, have you had a chance to check any of the of the clips from, from Turkey so far? And, and what does it sound like uh, with that maturation that Ian mentioned that goes into what Dana's evolving game? Yeah, I've I've got to catch a handful of uh, not full length games per se, but I've been able to see like a handful of her offensive possessions, especially the possessions with Lee, and um, Dana's falling right in alignment with what she was mentioning to me in the exit interviews, and then in their final game against the Aces, in terms of what her approach was going to be uh, going overseas, and that was being able to marry the successes that she saw in the latter half of the W season at the basket with efficiency from deep and being able to better marry the aggression versus uh, being a true point guard per se, uh, being able to find both ways to to play both hats over the course of a game without there being like hiccups and without the process uh, part where she stops and she's thinking the game through and she's just playing off of what the defense is suggesting to her to do. So she seems like she's been um, processing the game better in that respect and it just like the game, she's she's just so much quicker than everybody. It's not even necessarily her processing the defense. It's more so just understanding the advantage that she is and understanding not just mentally, but also based off of like her feel for the game more than anything else. And I think that's really evolving. And you marry her and everything that she does downhill with a wide body sensor that can do all of the things that Lee does in terms of screening and then posting up. And when Dana's able to come off and engage Lee's um, Lee's check because they had to fight over the screen to kind of get behind Dana, now that's a mismatch. Dana's working on engaging that big defender that's enabling the switch. And now she's been able to play in advantages off of that between her against the mismatch or Lee versus the mismatch. And just the marrying of those two and everything that Dana's talked about is just really coming about together. Yeah, I know we got stats for both of them from uh, the totality of, of the games this year, both uh, Turkish League and the Euro Cup, that second tier of um, Euro League play right now. And Dana has got some interesting stats uh, on all on her own. She's shooting it better from three-point range in league play, in, in um, domestic league play, 
than she is from two-point range, which you don't see that often. And yet it seems kind of ex- almost not almost expected for Dana just because of what her dribbling, ball handling, and footwork is able, the space she's able to get on the three-point line. Plus, I think it also speaks to the gravity of Lee and uh, some of the other players that they have on Besiktas. But I want to talk about this stat with the asterisk. In 17 games overseas, she's played 40 minutes, all 40 minutes of the game. Does that worry you guys at all? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I mean, it's she's. I think she's elite physically conditioned, and so for that reason, it doesn't worry me as much. Obviously, this isn't something you want to be doing for 10 years of your career. This is something you want to do the whole time. But at this point in her career, I think to be on the court as much as possible, learn as much as possible, and for this team, lead as much as possible for Besiktas. I don't think it concerns me too much. I think there's been some blowouts she probably could have come out of that they didn't take her out of. So maybe that's where you could look to get those minutes back. But I don't think it worries me too much this early on in a career. And for me, I I wonder if that's Dana's uh, asking because there was a clear emphasis um, pretty much the entire season that Dana had a chip on her shoulder that, and it was an itch that she was scratching profusely. And I'm just wondering, for her, from her perspective, if that's a, a thing that she took overseas with her in terms of her approach to this season, not wanting to play um, like in a in a rotation per se, getting as much experience and game like reps as she possibly can, because like like Ian just said, she's well conditioned. I mean, I think optically that's rather obvious, but if you need to see it, look at how. Her, her pace of play doesn't stagnate the more she plays. So just kind of looking at it through that lens, I'm just, I honestly will err on it being Dana's choice and a team agreeing in terms of what they need from her to win. It kind of marries both of those things together. And it, it just works to where she's able to play pretty much entire games, like you both just said. And again, if you're focused on skill development and you're 10 toes down about trying to get better, which is abundantly obvious that Dana is, all you have to do is listen to one conversation with her and you receive that energy, uh, this falls, again, like I said, in the opening, directly in alignment with everything that she's attempting to uh, turn as far as corners go in terms of her skill development. So, no, it's not not to turn it to me. Sorry. No. (laughs) No, you're right. You answered the question. (laughs) I think 10 toes down is an important phrase uh, because it's not not the same as, as geared up, but we can all tell that that's what Teresa Weatherspoon is looking for from her players and her team. After that introductory press conference, you're all in with the sky or you're or you're all out, I think, is is gonna be the the MO going forward. Uh going to lead her play, it's I think all the more impressive because not only has she been able to utilize her footwork, her size, um, and her ability to keep going after the ball with the relentless motor that is the gift of youth. But she's added a, a jump shot to her repertoire. She's hit two threes, uh, three of seven in, in domestic play. And we, we we can't pull up the clips, but there was a game where she scored 22 and three quarters. And she had a 12-footer in that where she stepped out to the elbow, took a pass, not from Dana on a drive to the basket, but stepped out to the elbow and just calmly hit a jump shot. Uh, our fast becoming a uh, a hub for information. Yifeng Lee, who is covering all things in the Chinese Women's Basketball League, 
said recently that there's a lot of interest from teams in the WNBA about acquiring leave for the upcoming season. It's hard for us to get a gauge on, on the truth of that, but what do you guys think? Start with you, Stephen, that Lee's uh, her growth in her game, both in overseas play and international World Cup play. Do you think that it fits with what the Sky have moving forward? And just what do you see in the growth of her play overall? Yeah, I think if it's not exactly or directly Lee that the Sky bring back, per se, I think they need somebody of that same like ilk or archetype. So for example, I think a good comparison would be somebody like Kalani Brown that they could bring in a player that has that type of size to where it's something that teams have to game plan for and past game planning and watching film. It's something that you physically and mentally have to deal with over the course of a game because she's an abundant presence on the glass and just that physicality. Like we talked about with screening, you don't, you can't just squeeze by her when she's setting screens, especially if she's doing so with with solid angles within that. You have to legitimately navigate around, and all of that is all those little things, especially at the pace that a player like Dana works with, generates advantages galore for your team. And then if you add to that the graceful skill that players like Lee or Kalani have inside the paint, that just makes for a ton for a team to have to deal with. And so I think I think Lee is gonna generate a lot of attention. I don't know if she comes back to the sky because that was very much a James Wade rendition type of move in terms of who brought her in and things like that. So I'm not sure if she comes back for this team and if she falls in alignment with what Teaspoon has in store. Um, nonetheless, this team definitely needs a player that's a little bit bigger than the size that the sky were playing with in their front court last season. Yeah, I, I would back uh, pretty much everything Steven said. I think they'll be looking for a center who gives them a little bit something different, right? In terms of when that person comes on the court, it creates that mismatch. And Kalani Brown is a perfect example of the type of player, you know, obviously in Dallas, she's kind of piggybacking on what the starter's doing, but for a team like the Sky, could do something a little bit different. Uh, and I think Lee could fall into that category as well. I also don't know how the Olympics factors into at least her 2024 plans, if that impacts right. what she's going to do. So that makes things even more complicated. But yeah, there'll be a market for her in the WNBA if it's not with the Sky. And like you said, I think the three-point shooting as well, like just to have that in the back pocket, like maybe every now and then she'll step out and hit a three, like that's a headache just for teams to deal with, even if it's a bench player. So I definitely think there's a market in the W and I think this guy could find a way. It's just like Steven said, we don't know exactly what they'll want to do with that role. Right. It's like, where does she fit in? And thanks Greg for pulling those stats up. That 61% I think is not a miss. You know, it's not misleading. I think sometimes overseas stats people dismiss them because they, they because they believe the competition's easier. But Lee's getting double and triple teamed, and a lot of these are coming off of missed baskets and just her being able to post up down low. And there, there would be – she wouldn't be playing 25 minutes a night next year. But she is able to post up, get open for uh, passes down to the post. She runs the floor well. And – we alluded to it already. The collect the connection between her and Dana is really good. They look really, really seamless. And I think it's interesting because you have those two players available to you, depending on what the price is that you could bring back. And if you put them together, Stephen, you talk about things like this a lot. Those running these lineups together in shifts and how it changes the complexion of an offense and a defense. So if you can put Dana and Lee together for 45 minutes per game, 
you know, what that does to your team's plus minus, how it affects the other team's substitutions, all of that. It's really interesting to think about. Yeah, well said. Well said. It, like, like we both, like I think all three of us have mentioned in our own unique ways, like those type of players that are the size of Lee, you have to, like you're going to feel them. You're going to feel them for every minute that they're on the floor, whether that be offensively with them screening and crashing the offensive glass or working in the post or defensively if you're trying to get to the basket and they're funneling players to drive directly into that. And you have to deal with that size. If you're trying to get up floaters, that's probably not going to work. If you're trying to bang with them in a the post, that's not going to work to your advantage either. <laughs> but like, obviously, there's limitations to that in terms of if you can manipulate switches. But those things are a lot harder to navigate when you have defenders the likes of Kalia Copper, Dana Evans, Rebecca Gardner. Hopefully, like that. Like it just it's just a perfect type of piece to complement and even supplement some of the other things that this that this guy would want to do moving forward. Moving over to uh, same t- another team in Turkey. Uh, Merson, who have uh, Marina Mabry and Elizabeth Williams. There was, I, I want to talk about this just because it's funny. Marina Mabry got kicked out of a game recently, which I think at first glance you would kind of say, oh, you know, that's Marina. But it was within that same time frame as there were all the uh, official ejections in the NBA. And uh, Ian, I think it was, even, I believe it was you who pointed this out. It was said, it was like, y'all want to see a wild ejection? It yeah. was it was right after um, the Jokic one in Chicago. The Jokic yeah. one in Chicago, and then you posted that one for Marina. Where she got <laughs> she kind of she got pushed before that, and she went to kind of put a hand on, and then her her mark just like damn near went into the front row. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we 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 I, we can't really get into whether officials are over overreaching their power right now because that's a, a thirty minute conversation <laughs> for all three of us to go on. <laughs> but what's the news on Marina and Liz? Yeah, I, I think for Marina, for me, what stood out is like the improvements I saw her making in Chicago as the season went on. I think she's continuing on with those things. So like one of the things that stood out to me personally with her was as the season went on, I saw her kind of disassociate her offensive and defensive performance more. I felt like early in the season, if she had a bad shooting night defensively, she just wasn't as switched on, which is understandable. You got a lot in your head as the game goes on, but everybody on the sky, Ka, Emray, Everybody talked about next play, next play throughout the season. That was a focus for everybody. And I thought she showed tremendous growth in that in the WNBA season in terms of by the end of the season, I felt like she could have a bad shooting night and she would still give you that because like she has the potential as a defender. Nobody's watching her saying that's a bad defender. She can be a really good defender, but if you're not engaged, it doesn't matter how good you are. It's hard to perform at that top level. And I think that improved in the W season and it's just continuing overseas. Like what I'm seeing is, She'll have off shooting nights and it doesn't matter. Like she switched on defensively in passing lanes. She can be a physical player defensively, which I think she can be a lot more physical than other perimeter players, especially overseas. You have a lot of more like diminutive uh, perimeter players and she's stronger than a lot of them. So she can overpower them, do a lot of different things. And I guess the same thing with her shooting, I kind of felt like as well at times with the sky, especially in the middle of the season, I think she even spoke to this. I wanted to see her just keep shooting even when she was missing, like get to that next hot streak because she has all the ability as a shooter. And maybe in like that middle stretch of the season where she really struggled, she kind of maybe doubted herself just a little bit and didn't pull the trigger. And then by the end of the season, we saw her more consistently to shoot the ball. If you're open, shoot the ball. You're too good to pass these looks up. We're seeing the same thing overseas. She can start the game one for six. And then you look up at the end of the game, and she has 25 points on an efficient night. And you're like, that's why you keep shooting. Because when you're that skilled of a player, that next hot streak is always around the corner. That's cool information. 
how's that fall into what you uh, were able to get in your exit interview with her, Steven? Yeah, that's that's some of it. She talked about essentially being able to compartmentalize her game. So, like Ian said, she's having a bad shooter night. Is that going to impact her playmaking, which is as important as anything she brings because of the attention that she garners and even past the attention, the extra attention? Um, and then obviously the defensive side, can she stay engaged for the duration of her shifts within her rotation of a game? Those are things that I think needless to say, Teaspoon is going to demand, not just uh, ask for, but demand out of her. Like, I don't think there's any way that any player under Teaspoon's uh, coaching is going to get playing time consistently if you can't put forth the same efforts on the offensive side of the floor that you do on the defensive side. Um, and that's just the that's just the foundational piece. That's not even talking about the intellectual level of defense that you'll have to play to sustain a, a spot in the rotation. Uh, so I think Ian hit that out the ballpark in terms of speaking to that. Uh, but to answer your question, Chris, um, I've been seeing she talked about with uh, in the exit interviews about working in pick and roll and the uh, extra attention that I just mentioned that she garners. Um, she talked about her pace. She talked about her decision making and trying to continue to evolve that process as she starts spending more time as a primary ball handler. And I think I'm seeing just that from her. Uh, she's doing a much better job of taking those extra dribbles or being even the slightest bit more patient to allow for help defense as she draws two to the ball to set within where they're rotating to kind of cover up for the advantage that is behind that action. And past that, being patient, she's also making better and more prompt decisions and who she's getting the ball to. And she's also manipulating the defense with her eyes and hitting players with uh, no-look passes to allow for them to then attack within that advantage. And it's just those little things that pass just passing the ball where it needs to go, helping to get somebody more open than they typically would be if you just looked right at them and threw it right to them. I think those playmaking, um, those playmaking uh, dynamics within her overall game are definitely evolving. And I think I've been enjoying the pace that she's moving at in uh, pick and roll when she's drawing two to the ball as well. Uh, a lot of times last season, she would move a little bit too slow or she would go too fast. She's found that sweet spot in between. And then she's taking good angles to stretch those defenders out as well, not just dribbling directly into them. And again, those are the little things, especially when you're a player like Marina that's drawing this extra attention that allows you to be efficient, not turning the ball over. But like I also mentioned, generating good shot quality for your teammates outside of that. And then the last thing with her, they've been using her a lot as a screener and then flowing her into actions off ball as well. So she'll screen for any given player on her team and then she'll come off of screens herself or just come off of staggers and different alignments as well. And I think that off-ball dynamic with her, in addition to everything she says she wants to do on the ball, is equally as important because I think there were portions of the season last uh, under Emre where they wanted to move her off the ball and allow for her to work with that gravity, kind of like Ali Quigley did for so long. Yes. And that's not necessarily what Marina does because she's better with the ball than Ali was with it, and vice versa in terms of Ali being a better off-ball movement shooter than Marina. Nonetheless, Marina has that dynamic to her. She just has to tap into it more and get a feel for it. And I think she's starting to ingratiate that dynamic into her game as well. It was an interesting game early in the season with those two teams being in the same league, uh, Besiktas and Marine, uh, Mersin, where three Sky players were on the floor at the same time. And you really just had a lot of talent out there if you add in uh, the, the veteran. If y'all have not seen Aaliyah Yagapova play, 
you need to watch her play because you're going to be hoping and wishing that you could have like a million dollars and say, hey, come over to the W right quick. Uh, but having those four players uh, playing against each other in that game back in October was really cool. Uh, Dana put up 29, had four boards and six assists uh, and four steals. Don't want, to, don't want to forget that against four turnovers. Lee had a good game. Uh, 21 points, seven of nine from the free throw line or free throw shooting is, has been really good uh, overseas. And then Marina was very efficient, just like you both talked about, 20 points on uh, 18 shots, 12 of which came from three-point range, and then had nine assists and six rebounds. And then uh, Elizabeth Williams off the bench had four blocks, nine points. You know, a typical Elizabeth Williams performance. Uh not going to necessarily do too much, especially when you have those shooters on your team. And she's coming off the bench, which I think Skytown isn't necessarily expecting to see. But she's in there for defense and to make things easier on, on the perimeter players. So if you get a chance, go back and watch that game, Mercine versus Bashik, just from October 29th. Uh, quick whip around before we pay some bills. And you've talked a lot about what Robin Parks and Morgan Birch have been doing as well. Both of those players came on. Uh, Morgan had some time early with the injuries uh, in the sky rotation. Then Robin Parks really came on late. And I think you made an interesting point recently about how she's been used as a defender because when we saw her play in Chicago a lot, it was to have that, that outside shooting presence off the bench. But uh, talk about what you've seen both with her offensive play and her defense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think offensively, uh, as a three-level score, it's impressed me because I didn't watch her that much last season in Italy when she was with Campo Basso, and that was kind of where she put together the season that got her in the WNBA last year. And Emre had talked about it a little bit in the press, saying that he wanted to see her score at the other two levels more because he felt like for stretches of the season, it was just stand in the corner and shoot threes, which she's good at, but he felt like there was more there that they could unlock. And overseas, you see that. I mean, you talk about going from a team like Campobasso, who are further down the table in Italy, to Skio, who are one of the best sides in Europe, period. Yes. That's a huge role adjustment. We don't, I don't even know if we have a full appreciation for that because it's not the same. Like The tiering in European sports is so important for the teams. So to take on a big role at a team like that is a tough, tough task. And to be the first, second, third name on the scouting report for the other team is a completely different game than being the eighth person off the bench or third person off the bench, eighth player in the W. And her ability to score off the dribble, come off the screens and score, like she has such a diverse ability to score the basketball. Even if the shots aren't falling from three, she can get to the basket, she can make things happen. And that's where I think sometimes the box scores don't always tell the true story because she's had some games where maybe the shooting numbers are kind of so-so. But when you see the types of looks she's creating with her ability to dribble and pull up, it's really impressive. And then, as you said, as a defender, I just think, like I'll watch entire games where I'm focusing on her at the defensive end. I just don't really see mistakes. I think her... Her attention to detail on the defensive end is really, really good. And that's what impresses me most is like there's, you're never watching a play and it's just she's out of position. She's falling asleep. She's not doing what she needs to do. She's just always in the right area. And then obviously you look at the physical tools she has, long arms. She's quick in transition so she can create a little bit of havoc defensively that way as well. So I'm admittedly very biased uh, because Robin always interacts with everything I post on social media. So I appreciate all the support she shows as we show support to her. Uh, but I've been really impressed with what she's shown as a player. Averaging over a steal a game so far in Italian league play. Steven, we hadn't really talked about Robin as much as some other names in terms of free agency and what the, the sky, who the sky were looking to really focus their attention on. 
but based on what based on what Ian just said, how do you feel like Robin fits into the team's plans for next year? Well, I first of all, I'll preface by saying I'm I'm happy for the successes that Robin is sustaining over in Italy. I think that for her just player archetype, she has to be able to nail things defensively in addition to what she wants to bring to the floor on the offensive side as a wing. I think the 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 way that the W is trending, they're looking for kind of um a little bit behind in terms of where the NBA is, but that that um that need for wings and just wings in abundance that can do multiple things on the floor, can guard up, can guard down, can guard their matchups even more so, be a um be an athlete in space in terms of defending as a rotation defender. And then on the offensive side, being able to score at two to three levels. Um, and be able to do so off the dribble even more so. I think those things are the specifically the dribbling to navigate herself to scoring positions is going to be as important as anything else that she brings outside of consistency from deep uh, on the offensive side. So seeing what she's doing in that and then also marrying more defensive activity in a sustained manner is important. Um, I don't think she's in the plans for the sky uh, going forward. And that's not by her doing. I think that's naturally going to come because she's going to want more minutes and more opportunity. And I think that with Rebecca Gardner and me predicting and assuming that she'll end up being back with the team uh, returning from injury, a lot of the minutes that Robin got typically would have gone to Rebecca and even on a higher volume in terms of the total of minutes eaten up within the rotation. So I just don't see where the opportunity for her would be with this team. But if she was to come back, uh. I didn't think she would carve out a role as quick as she did with the sky last season. So who's to say she won't do that again? Yeah, it was really fun watching Robin Parks kind of get that love from the fans as, as time went on, her notching the double-digit games and just really take off in, in the second half of the season. Steven, I know you got festivities that you need to get to soon. Um, you feel like you got any time to talk about Sika Kone right quick? Because I know Ian's got some exciting stuff and Sika was on the team's um, schedule announcement very, very, um, very plainly on that third page. So she's definitely somebody that they're, I think, putting some, they're going to put some stock in the Sika as, as time moves on next year and, and, and further on. Yeah, I got a couple more minutes. We good. All right, Ian, let's go, man. Sika Kone right. was like hot, cold, fire and ice, whatever, you know. <laughs> whatever adjective you want to use for last year. But she was exciting to watch how she's developing. Yeah, overseas, I think the like the rate at which she's developing, especially like mentally reading the game really impresses me because she's another player who's making a jump similar to Parks from a team further down the table in Spain to one of the better teams in Avenida where Ka played two seasons ago now when she won MVP of the EuroLeague. So this is a top, top team. Like this is serious stuff. And even then when she went there, she was second uh, kind of amongst the bigs. And then they have a long-term injury to the starting center. And suddenly she's thrust into this brand new role. And they had played a lot of their offensive possessions through the post. And so I kind of expected with Sika coming into the lineup, maybe they had alter their offense a little bit, play differently. Instead, they just kept working the ball into the post. And it was like you saw this player evolve really quickly before your eyes. So with everything that she can do, like if you look at the on-off rebounding numbers, obviously it's a small sample size last season, but the on-off rebounding numbers with her on the court last year are ridiculous. Like I think the Sky were the best rebounding team in the W with her on the court, and they're like one of the worst with her off. Again, small sample size, so we can't read too much into it, but when you watch her rebound the ball overseas, like that's not an accident that those stats were like that because just her athletic ability is incredible. And I think what we saw last season, like you said, hot and cold is the perfect 
way to describe it. She'd get an incredible block. And then the next possession, Ka would have to like shove her across the court to get her to the right area to be guarding the right person. But I think you can see her reading the game better. Like the early game she was playing in the EuroLeague, teams were targeting her clearly, like with pick and roll when they could get switches or she would hedge and she would over hedge. So then the guard would just go right by her. But like little things like that are getting cleaned up. And clearly the veteran players on that team, you can just see on the broadcast, watching them talk to her, it's clearly important to them to try to help her. They see she can be a piece that can help them. And I think if she can get that type of help overseas and get it in the W from Liz or Ka or whoever it is, I think there's a lot that Sika can become as a player because the physical tools are all there. And certainly I think her reading of the game for it to improve as much as it has so quickly has surprised me. And if it can continue on that trajectory, the sky's really the limit. So I feel like if the sky choose not to develop Sika Kone, I think somebody else in the W will. And I hope that's not the case, but if that is the case, so be it. But I think she's going to be a really, really good player in the W. I just, it lots of things would have to go wrong for her not to be a great player. That's the way I see it with all the potential. Steven, I want to get uh, an idea before we, we do uh, bid farewell to you for this show. And I, we're going to talk about it more as, as the off season goes on. What's your feeling on Teresa Weatherspoon's plan and patience for that kind of development of younger players? Because James Wade said that Sika Kone could be one of the best players in league history, and that's why this guy got her. And with the team kind of where they finished last year, with the new um, ownership group, with the plans for the practice facility, I think they're in kind of a win. We want to make a showing next year. And sometimes that leaves those types of players not in the team's plans. So based, you know, just based on what we saw from Sika, what she's been doing overseas, and then um, the impressions that we've gotten from Teaspoon and Jeff Paglioka, what do you see her future is being with the team or elsewhere? Uh, I think of across the entire W, Sika is one of the pieces that stands out most in terms of raw talent that just has to be um that just has to be brought in and kind of honed in on through obviously game reps and watching film and letting the game kind of come to her. Uh she has the athleticism that would make you think she was like an Olympic athlete. Like she's she's lean, she has a wide range and wingspan, she has quick twitch, she has the lateral mobility to stick with guards. She has a length to fluster bigs. She can stick with any pieces in between in that that shooting guard small four realm. She she has it all in terms of athleticism. Now it's just marrying the understanding of the game and marrying a feel for the game within all of that. And that naturally is going to take time. But I think that first of all, she's James Wade's parting gift for this guy. So that's that's one hundred and ten percent that for for sure. Um, she came out of the blue, signed. I think she got signed after um, after some injuries, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Because it was really early in the season, within that first month and a half, where he brought her in, and it was just kind of um, spontaneous. And, you know, her first couple of minutes, I think she may have played against, might have been maybe the Aces, if I'm not mistaken. And she came in, and she up-tempo instantly. She, like Ian said, she came in, James Wade, a customary to him, had her hedging immediately, and she's out there speeding up the clock of every guard that she's hedging out on. She's getting back. She's causing deflections and just generally making things more positive for the sky. 
on defense and even more so when it comes to the 50-50 balls. And she was literally in everything. Anything that was involved where was, the ball was in flux, she was right there next to it. And um, I think that's just something that you can't teach. If, if a player has that at their foundation, you can work on dribbling. You can work on passing. You can work on shooting. What you can't work on is effort. That should be at the foundation. And just looking at that as her base and her foundation, I think she fits right in alignment with, with everything that Teaspoon would, would like to have within her rotation. And specifically with a coach, and not just a coach, but a coach plus Jeff being two pieces that are have a history and um, skill development as trainers in um, multiple capacities. I think she's the type of quote-unquote project that they would love to invest in uh, internally and to hone in on her skills and have her as a piece stashed for the future while also able to contribute in the now based off of the things that we mentioned. I like the way you term that project and investment because this is an ownership group that is typically based in business. Nadia Rawlinson came up as a business person. Uh, Michael Alter made his money in, in business. Uh, a lot of the other people that joined the Sky's ownership group last year came up in business. Even Dwayne Wade has definitely developed his off-the-court business practice over his career. And Jeff has his own business as a basketball trainer before taking on this role as general manager. So it's funny because we're talking about a team and a group that wants to increase their footprint in the city and increase their marketing. And the best way to do that in sports is winning you know, putting banners on the table. But I think that they do have the patience to say, okay, this player could be this for us. And we want to make sure that we keep that player and develop them to the best of their ability. Uh, Greg, I think that's something that's very not, not dissimilar to the other teams in Chicago, but unique in a sense. I, we've seen a, a lot of teams recently let go of talent before they have the chance uh, the Bulls, the Bulls had a kind of a bad track record with that, right. with just letting go of players before they developed, going back to Jamal Crawford, and then in the recent years with Tyson um, Chandler. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. Well, and now the Bears have this big decision coming up this offseason with Justin Fields, so... You know, it's it's always a tricky game to play when you talk about cut and bait. I mean, the Bulls with Laurie Markkinen, same yeah. thing. You know, I mean, um, you just it's hard. It's a it's a tough game of uh, poker. You got to play there. And this guy I have a track record with it too. They had Candice Dupree when she came in. They had Sylvia Fowles, who was a Defensive Player of the Year, but then wanted out. Elena Deladon was an MVP, then wanted out. So there's definitely an emphasis I think we're seeing, we've seen over the past few years, even before now, that the Sky are making a commitment to these players. But it's interesting about with the free agency decisions and with what we're talking about in overseas, how that factors into what they're trying to build for the future. Uh, Steven, we appreciate you coming on. You know you got your holiday party, man. We want you to enjoy yourself on a Tuesday afternoon, as much as you can enjoy yourself on a Tuesday afternoon and evening. Um, any any final thoughts before we let you go, before we come back to the show in the near future? Uh, no, I'm just excited to see uh, what's coming for the team as free agency uh, jumps off next month. And I'm uh, just seeing uh, where those conversations go, what players Teaspoon has in mind in terms of who she wants to bring under her tree. 
And even before then, we're still waiting to see how she fills out the rest of her brain trust in terms of coaches. Uh, so kind of seeing how things fall in line from that and then how that transitions from the coaching staff being filled out to the players that they want to bring in um, is going to be intriguing. And I think there's a lot for this team to get to. Obviously, we're only having a handful of players actually under contract. That leaves it to, um, that leaves a lot of changes to come. But I'm just I'm just really curious to see in where that goes. And um, before anything else regarding the free agents and whatnot, bringing back Rebecca Garner uh, as a player that you have essentially, quote-unquote, first dibs on, uh, I think just having her come back and obviously she naturally fits into anything you might think that a defensive-minded head coach would want, um, just seeing her brought back immediately um, and as soon as possible and then kind of working from there is going to be fun to see um, fall out from there. It's dibs, man. It's the Chicago way. You got to utilize it when you have the chance. <laughs> As always, Stephen Garner, we look forward to your post in the um, in the NBA season on the Suns. Keep following Stephen at Stay True S.3. That's Stay True S.3. And Stephen always has something good cooking up in the hopper, writing wise and film breakdown wise. So please follow him. Stephen, go go get a a non-alcoholic beverage, man. Don't do your thing. Listen, this, listen, this work party is at work, and then I'm going to work and clocking in right after that. So. Oh no, I don't know no where uh, your imagination is, but it's definitely not where I'm headed to. So I saw your face. And I was like, why is this man looking so dour about this, bro? That's not right, man. Yeah, man. It is what it is, though. We here. Hustler's ambition. Here, I feel you. <laughs> All right, Stephen. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace. We're going to pay some bills as we finish out the show. So we want to take some time and thank Midtown Athletic Club, based out in Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the North Shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and the flagship location right off of Fullerton and Damon in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park, the Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel. That Palatine location has recently launched a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, which will be complete early next year. And listeners right now can lock in favorable rates. If you join before the end of the year, there's something at Midtown Athletic Clubs for everybody, whether you're single, whether you have kids, whether you're looking to make a lifestyle change, get in the gym, or whether you're looking for holistic wellness, because Midtown Athletic Clubs has a lot for everybody. They have pickleball courts that a location on Fullerton, you've seen the tennis courts inside and outside. They have high-intensity interval training within the arena, Samadhi, for yoga, uh, boxing for everybody fights, spin and cycling classes, cross-training, and group exercise in the theater. The best tennis courts and programming in the sport in the Midwest, and they have USTA uh, registered certified coaches for you to fill out those tennis dreams or your pickleball dreams or your paddle tennis dreams, any kind of racket dreams that you've got, Midtown can help you fulfill them. So please head over to midtown.com slash CHGO to find out more and to tour the Midtown Athletic Club nearest you. Again, that's in Palatine, Bannockburn, Willowbrook, or the flagship location right in the middle of Chicago off of 9094. Midtown Athletic Club, proud sponsor of CHGO Sky and CHGO Sports. Ian, a few things before we finish out. Didn't get a chance to ask you earlier because I wanted to jump right in. How'd you get started on this game, man? Because you've talked about in your columns, um, and we want to make sure that everybody checks Ian's uh, columns out on medium.com, how difficult it can be to watch overseas basketball. And we know the struggles about getting women's basketball on, um, on TV, on any kind of visual medium. 
So how'd you get into writing about overseas ball? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of this sky season, for whatever reason, even with the recent success, like the championship in 2021 and the 2022 team was very good. For whatever reason, this team, like a lot of the players, like I talked about Robin Park, you know, Sika Kone, really struck a chord with me. And so thinking that, you know, these players are going to go and play somewhere else. Like we don't really have any other opportunity like this in sports where you get to see players go have a completely different role and during the off season. So knowing that they were going to be out there playing, I was like, this seems like something I would want to watch. And I just got the feeling that there's other people on social media, you can see it, who love the players on this team too. And whether that's people who are also able to watch the games, find the games and want to discuss it, or just people who aren't able to watch the games that just want to keep tabs on what's happening. I figured if I'm going to be spending the time watching these games anyways, it'd be good to share this information because there's other Sky fans out there who want to follow along with it. And I've written about sports for like as long as I can remember, but never basketball specifically, even though it's pretty much always been my favorite sport just for whatever reason I hadn't. And so this just felt like the perfect opportunity to kind of marry something that I was already going to be spending time on with, you know, other people out there looking for that information. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, it's not an easy task finding all the games, but there also is, you know, a post that I have on, if you go check out my blog, the pinned post has kind of information on the links. I try to share the links on Twitter too. So people can go and watch the games too, because the more the merrier, honestly, like we just want people to watch as much as possible and get people more excited about the sky. No doubt. I mean, that's what we've been trying to do on the show. I mean, anybody I think who covers this team is always one eye on the actual information dissemination and one eye on spreading the word about the team. It's not marketing per se, but it's right. the idea of agenda setting. You're, you're telling people reading what to think about and you're trying to get them to think more about the sky, the WNBA and, for, and women's basketball in general. Yeah, 100%. Agreed. Anybody else? I know we talked about the big names, Dana, Marina, Liz, Lee, um, and we get spent a good amount of time on Robin Parks, but I know you've, you've written about Morgan Birch, and I checked her numbers in EuroLeague. I think it's been somewhat up and down just because of her time in the lineup, depending. But what have you seen from Morgan Birch's game as she develops a Girona, uh, both prior to Rebecca Gardner's arrival and after? Yeah, 100%. And I think you spoke to it there. The role, right, is what's really, I think, I don't want to say gotten in the way of her, like fully spreading her wings, but the, they're actually undergoing a coaching change right now. So we'll see who the new coach right. is going to be and what that means in terms of her rotational role moving forward. But there'll be games where she'd start and play 30 minutes. And then the next game, she'd play like eight minutes. And not because she played poorly from what I saw, like she was still playing well. It wasn't like she was missing things defensively. So but her ability to perform even in spite of that, I think is what really stuck out to me because realistically, that's probably going to be her role with the sky if she's back or with any other WNBA team, right? Is inconsistent is, you know, we saw her come in in that key game against the Sparks late in the season and do a job that the sky desperately, desperately needed in that particular game. And she's showing a capability to do that. You know, in the last few games, she's played way more minutes, especially since Kelsey Mitchell left the team, uh, even though it's obviously not positionally equivalent, but there's just been more minutes to go around. Uh, so that has given her an opportunity to kind of boost up her numbers a little bit. But I think this is one where the box scores wouldn't really tell you the true story because uh, in the games where she's playing, I think her help defense, similar to this, something we've talked about a lot with Alana, I think during the season was her help defense at the four. Morgan Birch, I think it's very similar. Her help defense is really good and her passing. Uh, Hirona played four out a lot. So she's spending a lot of time with the ball outside the three-point line trying to pick apart the defense with passing, which you wouldn't say is her primary skill set like skip passing, things like that, showing the ability to move the ball around the perimeter and get good looks for teammates. 
has really impressed me. And then from a shooting perspective, she shot the ball so efficiently, both from two and three. I'm not sure her season numbers, but on a game-to-game basis, like five for seven, four for six, things like that. So she's never having a game where she shoots herself out of the game, which you wouldn't expect from her. But I just think the floor with her is so, so high. And that's what could be exciting for her to continue with the Sky next season if she does. Yeah, that's really, um, that's good news for uh, Morgan, for sure, because we want to see her continue her career no matter what. But that efficient scoring is so, there's such a heavy emphasis on it now that not to necessarily go back to Dana, but that's what I'm looking for is like, how is she scoring? Is she scoring efficiently? Uh, And some of those numbers, sometimes she's shooting nine for 21. Sometimes she's shooting five for 16. So she's getting her points, but she's getting her points on a high volume of shots. Uh, For Morgan, I think for a player who has not necessarily garnered that cachet that Dana has, like Dana, when she goes somewhere, she's going to be high minutes or high rotation. It's important for her to have economical production where she can, if she's putting the ball up, it's going in because otherwise it's hard for her to stick, right? 100%. Yeah, agreed. And and I think that's that's exactly it. Like, like I said before, and you kind of piggyback there, if she wants to have a WNBA career, longevity in the W, there's going to be nights where she plays five minutes. And if she comes in and takes two shots, they need her to make at least one, if not both of those shots, right? And then there's going to be nights where she plays 20 minutes, so she gets the chance to develop rhythm. And it's not easy to do that, like to just come in off the bench and not know when you're going to come in, when the role's inconsistent. It's not like, you know, six minutes into the game, I'm always coming in. There was one game I watched, she played, I think, two minutes in the first half total. And then she played 16 minutes in the second half. So it's like, how do you develop rhythm when your role is so inconsistent? And yet she still is putting up good numbers, efficient numbers. So if I'm Teaspoon and I'm like, oh, I have a player that, you know, maybe I can't promise them anything, but they're still going to come in and produce. That's an asset. Like, might not be a paid asset like Kalia Copper, right? But it's still an asset to have in your team. It's an important player to fill out your rotation. Anything else interesting that you've seen overseas uh, from any other players? I know we haven't mentioned Taylor Soul yet and uh, Courtney Williams at Shaanxi, but any other players that you were able to, to catch that either had some interesting games or had some just cool stat lines drop? Yeah, I think, I mean, cool stat lines, Alana Smith has put up some. Obviously, we don't know what her future with the sky is, but yeah, from I didn't a stats perspective, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> from a stats perspective, she's put up crazy numbers. But Taylor, I think you hit on, has been like showing she didn't really get the opportunity to play in the W last season. So whatever her W future is, uh, overseas, she's definitely going to have a future because all the things that made her a valuable player to a team that went to the final four in college, she's showing she can do all those things at the professional level in whatever capacity. You know, just I feel like she's the way I would describe it is she's like in control, but also reckless at the same time. So it's like that bull in a china shop analogy where she just causes so much havoc, her ability to get in the passing lanes. And it's like, what will that translate to for the sky? It's hard to say, you know, is that somebody that Spoon says, if we can keep that at the back end of the rotation and kind of like Sika. And I think Steven made a great point about you have a GM and a coach whose background is now in skill and player development. Is Sewell a player that you look at and you say, if we throw her out there for eight minutes, she's going to give us eight minutes of really, really good defensive effort. And we'll figure out all the other stuff as we go. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. And I think Courtney was the other one you mentioned. I mean, in the Chinese league, she's no disrespect to anybody else, but she's by far the best player on the court every game. So it just leads to a lot of shots, some of which are maybe not always the best looks, but you're just trying to create offense. So it's hard to look at the box scores and criticize it. We know what Courtney has as a player. She's fantastic. I think pretty much everybody would be happy if there's a way for her to be back with the sky next year. And I don't think we're learning a whole lot about her game at this point in her career from these games in China. 
she had um uh Evang Lee posted that she had a buzzer beater to send the game in the OT. Yep. And I think it was nice and really heartwarming in a way to see that that Courtney Williams energy was not lost anywhere on that 15 hour flight. Uh, yeah. There was a, a good article from a few years ago when uh, Stephanie Dolson was still with the sky about kind of the uh, the loneliness and isolation that players get uh, playing in China where they typically don't speak the language and sometimes can just go back to the hotel room. And I had that in the back of my mind when I watched that because the crowd was into it with her. She was into it with the crowd. Like they were both hyping each other up. And for that contagious Courtney Williams energy, which meant so much to the sky as she was playing point guard last year, to not be uh, dis- diminished in any way was really cool. Yeah, and she wants to see others succeed, right? And that's what I, I love about Courtney as a player, as just a person, right? Is that like when her teammates make threes, she's celebrating those threes in the same way she celebrates her made threes. And she's trying to put other players, and that's really her evolution as a point guard, put those other players in a position to be successful. Even if, like I said, she is taking a lot of shots, She's also dishing out some really good assists or could be assists if the shots fall. Sometimes they don't. And that, to me, that's part of what I think Courtney provides for this guy. Even if she is an average player, which we know she's not, she's much better than that. Even if she was an average player, who she is as a person, her attitude, her positivity is really important for a team. And I think that is one thing you definitely see in China. Like she wants others to do well, not just herself. And it would be easy to go over there, collect your check for six months and then forget all about it but she's trying to make a positive impact while she's there. And that's just, the, that speaks to who Courtney Williams is perfectly. No doubt. Ian Carter Hamilton, really happy to have you on the show, man. Uh, again, follow Ian at Skyrider blog. That's at Skyrider blog. Ian, let them know where to find your writings and anything else you're doing, please. Yeah, so on, there is a link on my Twitter page, just like in the normal website link that you can check out the blog. It's over on medium.com slash, I believe it's just Skyrider blog over there as well. Um, and then on there, there's two posts a week uh, right now. There might be more or less as the offseason goes on, but I've been doing player reviews on every Monday. So that series just wrapped up. So if you want to go and read about any player, what I saw from them this season in the W, those are over there. And then every Friday, there's a new post recapping everything that happens overseas, trying to keep it a little bit analytical too. Like I said, obviously, you know, we can all see the box scores, but sometimes the box scores don't always tell the true story. Sometimes one nine for 20 performance can be better than another nine for 20 performance. No so I try to dive into that a little bit. Like Dana's a perfect example. You know, you kind of talked about her just a little bit like this weekend's or this uh, Friday's post. I think you'll see she shot nine for 23, I think last weekend, but watching the game, I was like, she's making or taking the right types of shots, even if they're not going in because it created space on the floor, created space for her teammates. So try to highlight that stuff over there. So if you're not able to, spend time watching eight games a weekend of all these different players overseas, you can still kind of get an idea of what's going on. No doubt, man. I'm very excited to have you on and very excited to keep reading about um, anything going on overseas. And when the season starts, I know that free agency is going to be heating up as soon as the calendar turns over to 2024 for the big producer, Greg Braggs, Jr. Always modest, never overstepping. This has been the CHGO Sky Show. I'm not very modest. (laughs) Greg in the back like, nah. (laughs) This has been the CHGO Sky Show. Uh, We will be back soon enough. Get us on Twitter at CHGO underscore Sky. Let us know which of those playback games you want to watch because we will be watching one game from the 2021 playoffs. Your choice. Your choice of which game to watch. Personally, I say game three of the semifinals because – That's one of those games where one bounce really sealed things. And 
the championship that we have known and loved for two years now might not have happened had it not been for some very funny things in that game. <laughs> so we'll post that poll. You let us know which game you want to watch, and we'll watch it. Thank you to everybody who came in and listened. Region Rev out and Gary, Sean Spurlock, E-Train, Elliot, and Tajay Mahal. And, of course, to our special guest, Ian, and the co-host with the most, Stephen Garner. I'm Chris Pennant. This has been the CHGO Sky Show. Until next time, folks, be good, do great things, and keep your head above the clouds. Y'all silly like the mayor. 